share the word with us. Um, some of you think, may think that I've uh, asked Cornell to come preach the word today because I wanted you to hear the powerful word that he has for you. And that's part of the reason, but that's not all the reason. The main reason is because my wife preached last Sunday and there was no way I was going to preach after her. So, <laughs> I'm kidding. But anyway, I just, uh, I appreciate Cornell. The more I get to know him, the, the more I appreciate him. I appreciate the integrity and just the, the character of this brother. Uh, what he means to this, to this church body, what he means to his family, I'm sure. Um, and I just appreciate him. And I know those of you who do know him appreciate him as well. And uh, so I'm just going to ask him to come on up and share what God's put on his heart. Come on up, Cornell. I'm sure you guys appreciate him a little bit more than that, right? That's all right. Fire and brimstone now. I'm about to blast them. I don't like y'all either. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, pray with me for, for a second. Father God, we're just so grateful for you, Father. We thank you for your awesome presence here today. Father, and Father, we just, we just continue to avail ourselves to you, Father. We're here to encounter you. We're here to bless you. We're here, Father God, to engage in relationship with our creator, with our, with the lover of our soul, with our Lord and Savior. That is our reason for being here, Father. There's needs represented, Father God. There's prayer concerns, but Father God, first and foremost is you. We thank you for your unfailing love. We thank you, hallelujah, for a love so great it's hard to even fathom. So, Father, we love you back this morning. May our pursuit of you be as relentless as your pursuit is of us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm going to talk about something that the Lord put on my heart and the title of it is the relentless love of the Lord. How many of you know God is relentless? Oh, a couple people know it. He pursues us unwaveringly he loves us unrelentingly he's not like our worldly experiences where well you know what i'll love you and love you and love you but if i don't get love back you know what my love might begin to wane a little bit my affection for you might begin to dim a little bit but you know god doesn't have that problem whether you're on your best day or your worst day, he is relentless in his pursuit of you. Whether you know him as Lord and Savior or whether you have rejected him so far and have not accepted him, his love for you is just as intense. It's difficult to comprehend that kind of love. I... I I went to Merriam-Webster to get a definition for relentless, and I, I got a couple of different ones. Uh, 
that, that I think fits with what God put in my heart. The first one says, continuing without becoming weaker or less severe. It's constant. There's no dissipation whatsoever. There's no diminishing. There's no ebbing. Constant, relentless. Another definition, showing or promising no abatement of severity, intensity, strength, or pace. His love for me is just as intense today as it was the first day I gave my heart to him. His love for you is just as intense as his love for Billy Graham. Just as intense as his love is for Marvin Sapp or T.D. Jakes or Tim Tebow. Just as intense. It's not based on performance. Otherwise, it couldn't be that way, could it? If it was based on my performance, he loved me when I was doing good and I was, I was really on my A game for the Lord. Not so much when I was having a bad day or a bad week. And I wrote down some examples. God was relentless in making known to us the word of God. Relentless in giving us the gospel. Relentless in paying the price for our sin. Relentless in his pursuit of us. Relentless in his desire for us to repent and enter into his salvation. And relentless in his desire to have intimate relationship with us. To describe how relentlessly God pursued him, British poet Francis Thompson referred to our God as the hound of heaven. I don't know if any of y'all have read that, that poem, but it got me to thinking, hound of heaven, bloodhound. Let me Google up some stuff. Google up some facts about a hound. What would make him say hound of heaven? Now, I'm going to try not to bore you, but I want to try and make the picture plain. The bloodhound is often called a nose with a dog attached. It is so adept at scent tracking, its trailing results are admissible evidence in a court of law. It has an ultra-sensitive, with the nose, it's primarily, goodness gracious, sorry, y'all. It has an ultra-sensitive set of membranes that allows the dog to distinguish smells at least a thousand times better than a human. Researchers have estimated that a bloodhound's nose consists of approximately 230 million olfactory cells or scent receptors, 40 times more than we have. When a bloodhound sniffs a scent, uh, a scent article, clothing, whatever, air rushes through its nasal cavity and odors lodge in the mucus and bombard the dog's scent receptors. It just bombards it. 
chemical signals are then sent to the olfactory bulb, which is a part of the brain that analyzes smell, and a odor image is imprinted. An odor image is created. For the dog, this image is far more detailed than a photograph is for a human. Imagine that. A picture says a thousand words. A scent says more than that for a hound. Using the older image as a reference, the bloodhound is able to locate a subject's trail, which is made up of a chemical cocktail of scents, including breath, sweat, vapor, and skin rafts. Once the bloodhound identifies the trail, it will not divert its attention despite being assailed by a multitude of other odors. Once you give it a scent, it's after that scent. There could be a million other scents that come while it's in pursuit, but its pursuit is so relentless on that scent that it will not be distracted. It will not be deterred. It will not be turned away from its objective. Only when the dog finds the source of the scent or reaches the end of the trail will it relent. So potent is the drive to track, bloodhounds have been known to stick to a trail for more than 130 miles. And our God is the hound of heaven. He's picked up your scent. He's on your trail and you might be running, but you ain't getting away from the hound. You may be wired in muck and mire. You may be mired in sin. You may be trying to do anything, but seek him out. Guess what? He is not deterred. He is after you. He's sniffing. (laughs) You can try and wash it off. That shit ain't going nowhere. He will follow you to the ends of the earth. Sometimes we get to a point to where we think we've screwed up so badly. We think we've wronged so many people. We think we've We've just screwed everything up so badly that not even God cares about where we're at. I'm here to tell you today that that is an absolute lie from the pit of hell. You can't get to that point. Amen? His love is too relentless. His pursuit of you is too relentless. It will not ebb. It will not fail. It will not cease until he gets you. What did it say? That, that hound will either, he will keep after you until he finds the source or until he loses the trail. Well, God ain't losing the trail. So he's coming after you until he finds you. I always consider when people say, hey, I found the Lord. No, no. No, you didn't. No, you responded to him. He found you. 
He was the one that was pursuing you. Uh, you know what? Moses was not going out looking for God when he found the burning bush. God initiated that encounter. Adam and Eve, after they sinned, they didn't look out and say, let's go ask God about this. No, they, they were hiding. What's the first thing God said when he went into the Garden of Eden? Adam, Eve, where are you? He was pursuing them. From the beginning of the Bible, in the days of Eden, from the first sin, from the fall, he has been pursuing us. He has been saying, where are you? And that's what he is saying today. If you don't know the Lord, I want to let you know today he loves you with an unrelenting love. And he's been after you every day, every moment, every second of your life. He's been there through your good times. He's been there through the bad. He's been there for every prayer, answered and unanswered. He's been there through every hurt, through every pain, through every disappointment of life. He has been there. And he's been using those events, using those circumstances to tug at your heart, to reach out for you. To work it out for your good, to somehow divert your course so that you would one day come face to face with him. Where are you today with the Lord? Do you know him? Not just what the Bible says about him, but do you know him in your heart? Do you know his love? So relentless is his love that the Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 9, that God is not slack. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come into repentance. He doesn't want to lose a single one of his children. That is the same relentlessness that caused Jesus to go to the cross. Think about that. That is a relentless love right there. To be someone who came down and put on gold, uh, to put on human flesh. God himself putting on filthy human flesh. Never having sinned a moment in his life, but taking upon our sin. How relentless. Think about how relentless that is. The penalty for our sin was on our own head. What did he do? He became our substitute and said, I love you so much. I want relationship with you so much. I want to redeem you so much. I'm going to pay the penalty for you. I'm going to give you the door of opportunity to be reconciled with me. I'm going to do the work. All I want is your heart. All I want is relationship. I love you that much. Are y'all getting it? I want you to go to Luke chapter 15. Starting at the first verse.
And we're going to go through from 1 all the way to verse 24. There are three parables here that speak to the relentless love and pursuit of the Lord. You know, I, I, won't, insp- I won't expound greatly on them, but uh, enough to get the point across. I'm reading in the NIV version for those of you who have your Bible apps. Verse 1, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now, before we go any further, I want us to, I want you to kind of park right there for just a second and reflect on that. All right. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, were those who were the the teachers of the law. You know, they were the religious people. They're looking at Jesus' behavior. And we already see these people are not in good standing with the Lord as far as the religious circles are concerned. And yet, even they acknowledge this man welcomes sinners. I want you to know that's a message for you today if you don't know it in your heart. He welcomes you. You don't have to earn a thing. You want to know a secret? None of us are capable of earning anything from God. Salvation cannot be earned. It's why he had to pay the penalty for our sin. He's the only righteous one. He was the only one without sin. Only one righteous is enough to fulfill the requirement of the law. And the law said that the wages of sin is death. The word of God says that all of our righteous deeds, even our best acts, are as filthy rags. Deeds won't get it done. You cannot earn your way into favor with God. You cannot earn your way into salvation. But he can love you there. Amen? The Bible says that by grace through faith are we saved. We just have to, we just have to acknowledge who he is. What he's done for us? That we are sinners condemned and hopeless without him and receive the gift of his love and his salvation. You know what? (laughs) It's that simple. Sometimes the simplest stuff is the hardest to embrace, isn't it? Y'all kind of quiet. All right, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Think relentless love, relentless pursuit as we read it. Suppose, he's speaking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? He doesn't say he looks for him till the sun starts to go down. You know, doesn't say he'll do it till he calls off the search for whatever reasons. No, he looks for it until he finds it. But there's a relentless pursuit at play here until he finds it. And when he finds it, 
He joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. But that's putting the value on God's pursuit of you, isn't it? You know what? As awesome as it is for all of us believers, for those of us who are believers in here, we can be praising and worshiping the Lord. You know, we can be doing kingdom stuff. And God is all excited about that kingdom. The kingdom of God is excited about that. But, you know, then you'll hear a roar. Like uh, when, back when he was winning all those majors, back when Tiger Woods would hit a big putt. 18th hole. And all of a sudden, guys are putting on hole 16. All of a sudden, it's roar come from the gallery over three holes away. Overshadows it. And everybody's attention is over there. You All of a sudden... The, the kingdom of heaven is, is, is excited and they're celebrating what we're doing, but let one sinner repent. Let one sinner get saved. All of a sudden, there is a, there is a roar that will blow the house, blow the roof off the house. Because that person was condemned. That person was dead. That person was was on his or her way to hell. And that person repented. And God is excited because that person transitioned from death to eternal relationship with him. He found this he found his source. The bloodhound found the source of the scent. He captured his prize. Uh, let's go on. Uh, next verse. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? Now, she still have nine, but she lost one. Now, she goes through spring cleaning right here. She turns on the lamp. Lights it up. She sweeps the house. She searches carefully, intently until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord, I want you to get this message. It's just continuing to repeat. The hound of heaven is after you. The hound of heaven loves you. The hound of heaven wants you. The hound of heaven is in pursuit of you. And there's not a place you can go where he won't go after you. There's not a low you could reach that he won't get down there with you. And he will not I don't care if you can't think of a single other person in this world that sees any value in you. I want you to know the hound of heaven thinks you're the most precious person in the world. Next verse. It's very familiar. 
uh, actually not uh, the next verse. Uh, I'm not going to read that entire uh, passage. How, how many of you here have heard or read the story of the prodigal son before? You've either heard reference to it, read it, and so forth. To me, I, I think that young man represents all of us. I know I see myself in it. Now, at the very beginning of this story, he goes to his father, and his father, by all accounts, is faithful. He has he he's, he does everything right. He's taking care of his sons. He has an inheritance laid up for his sons, and all of his all his son has to do is trust his father. Remember what he's been taught and apply those truths. And, and, and if he's patient enough, eventually the inheritance will come to him. But in the meantime, he needs to learn from the father so that when he is the master of his own inheritance, of his own property, he can be as successful as his father was. But he was impatient. And so he demanded from his father to give him his portion because he felt like he knew better what to do with it. He had his own way that he wanted to go. And <laughs> to be honest with you, I don't know about you, but so many years of my life, that's been me. I had my own way that I wanted to go. I had my own way that I wanted to do things, the own way that I wanted to approach things. And in every way I went my own way, it reached a dead end and blew up in my face. Sometimes that's what it took for me to get to the end of myself and consider, oh, well, maybe I ought to try God's way. hardhead and in every time I've done that God has proven he'll do what he says he'll do he is who he says he is his word will not return void he is faithful every time Well, the inevitable happens. He got all of his inheritance. Got out and lost all of it in wild living. Friends he thought were friends turned out to not be friends. They just wanted to help him, bless him by helping him spend his money. And when the money was gone, the friends were gone. It got so bad He's working for a pig farmer, feeding pigs. Now, you know it's bad. Now, here's how bad it was. He's feeding the pigs and thinking about how, how delicious that food the pigs are eating looked to him. This guy's thinking about eating slop. Have any of you ever been on a pig farm? Have any of you ever fed pigs? You know what I'm talking about, don't you? How a human being could get to a point where pig food is appetizing, even for a tenth of a second. Now, he didn't eat it. 
He, he didn't need it. But just imagine how desperate he was. Imagine the load that he reached that for a split second, he thought about eating what he was feeding the pigs. Man, that's just, ah, I don't know, man. But he reached his dead end. All right. He came to the end of his own way. And the word of the Bible say he came to himself. He came to his senses. Wait a minute. It's crazy to think about eating pig food. And that's where I want to pick it up. Verse 17. He said, said, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. (laughs) I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. Here is that hound of heaven again. He got up and went to his father. But, everybody say but. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. He's got a repentant heart. I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. I'm not going to even read the rest of it. That's, that's, that's all I care about right there. Notice. The prodigal son came back and he was truly repentant and he bowed before his father and he said, you know, I'm not even worthy to be called your son. I'm not even asking to come back in that capacity. I I just ask that you give me some work. I'll be a servant for you. And the father's love for his son was so relentless. It was so not in doubt. He didn't even entertain the notion. He didn't even engage his son in that conversation. Did you notice that? He, he skipped right past it. It was, cause it wasn't about, you know, it's not about worthiness. You know, it, it's not about worthiness. It is about relationship. All right. Now the, the prodigal son, created some distance in that relationship when he went his own way and left his father's house. But he never stopped being his son. Amen? He never stopped loving him for who he was, his son. And so I can just imagine him every day. I don't think it was an accident. Every day, I believe he was looking out the, out the door. I believe he was looking down the path that he saw his son walk away. And, 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 and with a relentless desire, a relentless passion, he was looking down that path, hoping and expecting to see his son return to him down that same path one day. 
And so when his son finally came to his senses, daddy was doing what daddy's been doing every day. Or I hope my son's all right. I can't wait to see him again. Embrace him as my son. Tell him how much I love him, how much I missed him. Restore the relationship. That has been severed all this time. That's the heart of our God. If you don't know that heart, don't leave here today. Don't leave here today without getting to know it. The Lord will never give up. He will never give up his relentless desire that you accept his unmerited love, mercy, and grace. I cannot say that enough. He'll never give up. Till you breathe your last breath. He will remain in pursuit of you. Until you breathe your last breath. He will pursue you on your deathbed. You remember the thieves that were put on the cross beside Jesus? They started off mocking him. Later, one of them repented. And the one that repented checked the one who continued to mock him. And he said, Lord, when you enter your kingdom, remember me. What did Jesus say? He said, surely I say to you today, you'll be with me in paradise. You know, that man lived a life of sin. He lived a life of wickedness. He was paying the penalty for his crime. He was, he was not going to be on this world much longer. You know, and some could look at that and say, oh, after living your life your way all this time, now in your dying moments, you want to go to the Lord? We might say that, but God is like, yes. I don't care if you did it the day you were born or the day you die. The end result is the same. Relationship with the one who, with the one who created you. Relationship with the lover of your soul. 
And there, there, no way should you leave here today without knowing for absolute sure, certainty. I'm sorry, man, my, my English teacher would just smack me upside the head. No, without knowing for absolute certainty that you're right with the Lord. It's not a matter of whether he accepts you. His love is too relentless for him not to. All right? It's only a matter if you're going to accept that love and embrace it and and, and engage in him. Engage him in relationship. Amen? Uh, And the psalmist, this verse... Uh, Psalm 8 verses 3 and 4, you know, it talks about, to me, it comes from a heart who understands how relentless God's love is and it, j- and it just blows his mind. He says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? Why do you love us so? I don't understand it. You don't have to understand it. You just have to receive it. Amen? Man, I'm I'm not done yet. I'm almost done, but I'm not done yet. Romans 5. Turn to Romans 5, verses 6 through 8. Romans 5, verses 6 through 8. I, I'm, I'm getting a little repetitive, a little redundant, but there's a, you know what? It bears repeating. All right? This is too important of a message. This is the gospel. Hallelujah. Romans 5, verses 6 through 8 says, For when we were still without strength, we couldn't do a thing to change our condition as sinners separated from God, condemned to go to hell. When we were without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Now, I love the, prog- I've always loved the progression here. You know what? Mm, barely. You know, there's a few times that people will be willing to put their life on the line and die for a righteous person. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, so I want to put the rest, all that, the mindset that, that, that makes us think that we have to get right before we can come to the Lord, that we have to reach a certain level or a certain plateau before we have to come to the Lord. We don't have to do nothing but come to him. He died for us while we were still sinners. The debt was paid. He became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So if you're here and you're thinking that today and it's, and it's twirling in your mind, you know, man, all that sounds good, but, 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 but he just don't know. 
where I've been, what I've done, what I'm in even right now, what I plan to do when I leave this church. Come on now. I ain't no fool. But even if you've been thinking at at times throughout this service, man, I can't wait till this is over. As soon as I get out those doors, I'm going to go and just do what I do. Guess what? The bloodhound's going to be sniffing your scent. He's going to go there with you. He's going to stay after you. He's going to stay after you till he gets you. Amen? I love it. God's a bloodhound. And probably the most well-known passage in the Bible, whether you're saved or not, is John 3.16. And that speaks to his relentless love of us as well. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God, if you don't know the Lord here, I want you to know this. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Don't let Nobody use Jesus to condemn you. Because that is not why our Savior came. He came that through him you might be saved. He came here and did what he did. He suffered, bled, died. A shameful death. Right beside criminals and thieves and murderers. He was spit on, beaten beyond recognition, whipped with like a cat of nine tails that just ripped his flesh to shreds. And his love was so relentless, the Bible tells us that for the joy that was set before him, He endured all that. For the joy of what suffering the cross would produce, which is a way for you and I to be reconciled with him and be reunited with him in relationship. Do you get that? That's how relentless he was willing to go through that. And he was able to see beyond the pain, beyond the shame of that, to the fruit of it. Which is us surrendering our hearts, bowing our knees, saying, I surrender all. I accept you, Jesus. Come into my life. Be my Lord, be my Savior.
And that is how relentless the love of our Lord is. That's, that's a wonderful love, isn't it? Well, is it wonderful or isn't it? Come on now. Now, I wish I could entertain better. I just believe in telling it like it is. <laughs> you know, I grew up in the Baptist church, man. You know, I, uh, I'm supposed to have a whoop. I'm supposed to be able to, I'm supposed to be able to do some stuff up here. Chris know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Michael Nelson know what I'm talking about. You know, I, I talked to my I talked to my daughters last night, and I and I'm going to give you. I, I'm I'm going to make the call, but I talked to my daughters last night, and I we we discussed what I was going to be preaching today, and and uh, it was funny how it went, you know, because two of my daughters, you know, they have a they 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 fell in love with the Phantom of the Opera, you know. And I told him about it, and I said, hey, I'm going to talk about the relentless love of the Lord. What, I said, what, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the term relentless love and everything? And they, they, everything went through it. Dominique, bless her heart. She was like, oh, yeah, like uh, 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 the, the, the love that the Phantom of the Opera had towards Christine Daae. Okay. <laughs> You have to have seen the musical or the movie or whatever for you to know what you're talking about, you know. And, of course, Brittany goes right in the text. We're talking about the Bible. We're not talking about. And so, uh, <laughs> you know, but uh, but but I had to uh, defend her a little bit and make Bethany and Brittany back off. And... Um, you know, but all of them had a lot of good, a lot of good things to say. And, um, I was very encouraged, you know, by that, by that conversation. And we do that a lot of times just to engage in relationship. That's what families do. You know, that's what I like to do with them, uh, as a dad. Now, I said that to say this. Now, don't tell Christy I told y'all this. All right. Because, I, I, I don't want to be uh, uh, aggressively loved on later. All right. So, but, <laughs> but we were talking and, uh, I know, I know it can't be the only, I can't be the only husband and whose wife likes to wear stuff sometimes, you know? So Christy had on some sweatpants and I was like, you got on my sweatpants? <laughs> and, and, Brittany was in the kitchen with me, and I think Dominique was in the living room. And Christy, you know, she she puts little letters on the uh, on the tag of the pants or whatever. I think that's what she meant. But she was like, "Well, does it have an A in the back of it?" And me and Brittany looked at each other, and I said, <laughs> "Well, <laughs> Greg." <laughs> I looked at her, and me and Brittany just started laughing because, well, what do you mean by A? You know, because, <laughs> you know, uh, y'all will get that later, I'm sure. They'll be like, oh, that's what he meant. 
So I assume she meant there was an A written back there on the back of the sweats and, and not her A in the back of the sweats is what I was saying. So, but me and Brittany, <laughs> but me and Brittany took it the way she didn't mean it. And we gave her a hard time about that. I did get a little aggressive love after that, but. Oh, man, I'm glad Ron isn't in here. Or is Ronnie? Ronnie, you in here? Good, because he would, he would make a beeline for her right after the service. <laughs> but, you know, I, I just really hope the message today resonated with you, the love of the Lord. And I'm going to ask all of you. I was going Silence. Silence. Are <laughs> you supposed to keep a brother's secrets now? <laughs> we'll see. But I'm going to ask you all to stand, uh, if you can. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'm going to ask a couple of brothers to to come on up. CJ, you had some ministry team ladies, if you would please. For the ones that are scheduled, a couple of the, would you guys mind coming up? Oh, okay. Hallelujah. 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 And I just want you to just close your eyes right now. I just want you to meditate on what you've heard today. I want you to meditate on the message that messages that were sent to you through the worship. You know, those songs that spoke of God's heart towards you. That spoke of God's love. Hallelujah. And the word that was preached today. And I want you to meditate on that. How relentless he pursues you. How relentless his love is towards you. How relentless his affections are for you. Just meditate on that. Let that percolate in your heart. And I want to give you an opportunity today to respond to that love. That love that does not Relent. It does not abate. It does not ease. It does not diminish. When you sin. It does not lose intensity. When you screwed up. Now you may have been, you may have come here today. So maybe someone dragged you here. Maybe you were compelled by, you don't even know what, something just made you come today. Let me encourage you by saying that wasn't a something, that was a someone. The Lord brought you here today 
to engage you. He brought you here today to enter into fellowship with you. He brought you here today because he loves you. He sought you out. He pursued you until he got you here. And he put you in a place where you have an opportunity to embrace his love, to give him your heart, to enter into the salvation of the Lord. If you're here today and you don't know for certain that you're saved, that you don't know for certain that you have a relationship with Almighty God, the lover of your soul, through Jesus Christ, then I want you to come on up right now. Right? Don't think about it. Don't worry about what other people may be saying or who's looking. I want you to come up right now. This is decision time for you, and I want you to respond to that love the way that love is worthy to be responded of. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I want to give you an opportunity as well. Maybe you came to know the Lord at some point in the past. You're not sure what happened, but somewhere along the way, you lost your way. Somewhere along the way, you went your way and your way and God's way parted ways. You've been feeling guilty, feeling like a hypocrite, feeling that God might be done with you. I hope you know by now that nothing could be further from the truth. It's time. Like the prodigal son, it's time to come to your senses. You've been in the slop with the pigs for too long. The Lord is, is, is quickening your mind and quickening your heart that you don't have to be where you're at any longer. You have a father that loves you. You have a father that wants you. I want to encourage you to repent right now. I want to encourage you to come on up to the altar of God. I want you to, I want to encourage you to come up and just give that all to the Lord and just acknowledge the sin for what it is. Give it to the Lord, repent of it and be re-embraced again by your loving heavenly father. He's been looking down that path, just like the father in the prodigal son story. He's been looking down that path with bated breath, eagerly awaiting your return. You need but take a step toward him, and he will close the gap. (laughs) Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I surrender all. I surrender all. All 
to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Again. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior. Surrender Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father God, again, Lord, you are so awesome. Your love, your grace is so amazing, Father God. And, and Father, I just thank you for every heart that was ministered to today, Father God. I just thank you, Father God, that the word, that the seed of the word that was planted, Father God, was planted in the good soil, Father, and there will be a there, there will be a harvest to be reaped, Father God. It will come to fruition, Father God, and 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 those and those who heard it, Father God, will respond appropriately, Father God. That you'll continue to minister to their hearts, continue to bless them, and I thank you for the bloodhound that you are, because I would be. I, I may not even be alive right now, but I would be a miserable wreck. I would be a worthless individual, Father God, if you had not pursued me relentlessly until I finally acknowledged you and gave my heart to you. And Father God, my life has been transformed. I have never been the same, and I am tremendously and abundantly blessed because of you, Father God. It would not have happened, hallelujah, if you didn't love me enough to chase me down, hallelujah. Father, we love you, and I just pray every, I pray a blessing on every soul here today, Father God. May they come to know you in a deeper and more intimate way. May they find favor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We give you glory. We give you honor and praise, Father God. For you are truly, truly worthy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>